My name is Red Pepper. I'm a voiceover artist. I've voiced hundreds of movie trailers. Men in Black, Saving the Earth from the Scum of the Universe, Blair Witch Project, Armageddon, Space Jam, Mr. Bean's Holiday. So many, I forget half of them, to be honest with you. Hey, welcome to CC Talk Talk, a podcast where we see and talk about life and the stories through games, books, songs, but mostly movies. They say the best kind of movie experience is when you go in totally fresh. No trailers, no teasers, no spoilers. But can you know what you want to watch if you have no idea about the story's premise or plot? I'm Jovi Lo, I run an indie cinema in Malaysia, and today with me, we have Delton again. And for the first time, Jeffrey. <laughs> Hello. So together, we're going to talk about things we or you wish you didn't know or did know before a movie. Today, for the first time, we have Jeffrey with us. Jeffrey came to my indie cinema about a year ago, and he's as passionate about films of them with the both of us, mm-hmm. basically. Lah. And that's our, my very quick intro with him. I'm going to do another episode with him and another guest that I want to bring on about like what I did with Delton, the introduction, and then you get to know our case and influences and some context when we talk about things. So uh, starting off to this topic about things we wish we did or didn't know about a movie before we step into the hall, I guess we can start with the, the biggest thing, like spoilers. Like. <laughs> spoilers and trailers, right? I mean that's where the main thing about this thing where we thought about it is that do you avoid trailers to a movie? Uh, if yes or no, why and how do you go about it? <laughs> I guess the best example now I can think about is Tenet, right? Nolan's new movie. So have you all been avoiding your trailers? Yes. Jesus? <laughs> I, I've been healthily avoiding the trailers. Yeah, I, I've tried, I try not to watch the trailers so that I can still have an element of surprise when watching the movie. Uh, but at the same time, it is sometimes the trailers that hook you in and yeah. make you right. decide, right. you know what, that's why I want to go. Yeah. So it's a bit of a catch-22, whether to watch or not watch. And similar to how I would say, uh, when, when you came up with this question, I was thinking reviews. If I read a review, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a bad review, you know what, I don't want to waste my time, don't go watch. But then, sometimes it's bad, by reading a review, you sort of like, know what to expect. Yeah. So you want to go into a movie not wanting to know how it's going to, whether you're going to like it or not, but the reviews also to help to draw you in, so it's a bit of a catch in too. If you rely solely on reviews, then you're probably going to go into the movie fully expecting instead of like, wow, I can't wait to see how this turns out, you know, what's yeah. going to happen next. You're going to be thinking of that particular review and you're going to be thinking, oh, how bad is this going to be? Or how good is this going to be? And coming off of what you said about Tenet, right? I mean, Christopher Nolan, big action. Uh, I, I get it. Like you want to show a lot of those big action moments to sell the movie. And yes, yeah. it does yeah. attract attention, no doubt about that. But if, for me, if you were to show footage like that, the movie is basically promising bigger things than what's being shown in the trailer. Because if all you show in the trailer is all that is in the movie, then, you know, it fizzles out, you know, the movie's not as good as you hoped it would be, false expectations. So that's where it's very tricky, like what Jeffrey was saying, the catch on it too. It will set up an expectation for you, whether better or for worse. And if you're going to go on to read reviews, let's say if you read that the review is bad, then when you're watching the movie in your head, it's like, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And as you watch it, you might be like, it's actually not that bad, it's okay. Yeah. But then at the same time, you won't be focusing on the movie, you're focusing on your own mind trying to break down the review that you read, and then the movie itself. Yeah. And it's such right. a... <laughs> right? So maybe, like, let's say if, if you're going to draw a line here, like, maybe 
like maybe if you know what the movie is about let's say if you know it's a Nolan movie a movie with plot twists and then maybe for that kind of shows then you you avoid the trailers you avoid the marketing but then if it's a normal romance comedy you know happy-go-lucky show then will it be fine will you be fine watching the trailers for that as in crazy rich agents I think <laughs> like like it depends like romantic comedies especially mainstream romantic comedies uh, they pretty much follow the same formula from the get-go maybe there's one or two which goes against the grain but I mean if you've seen one you've seen them all so they basically can just spoil the whole moment yeah. and you know people will still go because of the star power people will still go because of the appeal to what it has towards the mainstream audience so when you like anticipate a romantic like a romantic comedy versus like a gigantic action movie where there's like stunts yeah. or scenes that uh this that this director promises to show the world that probably never has been seen before look at the mission impossible movies mm. then it's like a very it's a, it's a balancing act but you have to know when what and what not to show because with romantic comedies people already expect what uh what kind of movie that they're getting when it comes to the trailers for big budget action sci-fi any big director then tricky type of the pool do you show or do you not show that's why um there's this uh, filmmaker david fincher mm-hmm. i see from my knowledge he is in charge of how the trailers market is moving mm. i mean ever since uh, fight club mm. how was fight club marketed i can't remember oh. fight club <laughs> was just very vague the marketing was like this it looked like a pretty much like a generic psychological thriller yeah. but it hid away the uh, spoiler alert the it's very hard to talk I about the final it will be something we're going to talk about in the future like how to recommend a movie that has a plot twist in it mm-hmm. you don't talk about Fight Club yeah but let's say, <laughs> let's say if you have no you idea <laughs> if you have no idea what it's about it's so hard to right. get across to sell right like mm-hmm. that balancing that you were saying and like from a personal experience right it's the movie about time Cause I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't even know about it until my wife brought, up, brought it up to me. So not knowing it, and then you know, like you said, you know, this is a typical romance comedy. Richard McAdams says, mm-hmm. like in every other love rom-com shows that she's in. So I was like, uh, we're gonna watch a chick flick lah. But when you watch about time, it's actually so much more than a chick yeah. flick. It has a good message about life and all that things. And I, I don't know if the trailer did show it, but if I knew that it was more than just a rom-com. I would have been more excited or inclined to watch it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I would want to know or wouldn't have want to know because the surprise actually made the movie much better for me. La. Right. Yeah. I think everyone has a different preference of how they would approach the yeah. movie. Some maybe through social media they see their friends talk mm-hmm. about it, they know like okay, it's probably gonna be interesting, it's probably gonna be quite powerful. You know what? I don't mind going watching cinema. Yeah. For me, when I screen through let's say a Netflix or I'm just going through whatever weird algorithm that they are recommending to me, I will have my phone next to me checking reviews. <laughs> I'm not willing to waste two hours of my time on like a, a, a really bad one. Like yeah, right. halfway mediocre, okay, I don't mind watching, uh, but like really, really bad ones, I'm sorry, I cannot. Like next, next, next. So it's, it's that. And then when you see like something review, reviewed very well, you're like, okay, maybe it's worth my time. Then you check other reviews like, okay, I want to get today's read a bit about, about the clock. Yeah. Maybe it comes to a point where we are a bit, I'm, I'm a bit more picky about what I want to watch and I kind of get a sense of what I want to watch. I like psychological thrillers, um, mm. rom-coms, eh, maybe <laughs> action, yeah, maybe, you know, so 
is a, a bit more selective and the the reviews and and the hype I hear about things help me narrow that process down uh, yeah to to decide what what to choose and what not to choose uh, in a way right I believe also it's not just like watching a lot of these movies and being more selective with what you're watching it's also being more selective with how you prepare yourself for that movie mm. like again you know like the more you watch trailers like you go to the cinema I, mean, I go to the cinema before this whole covid thing blew everything off yeah but yeah you know frequent cinema go work every single time i would like come early and i'll just watch the trailers for mm. fun if it's like a, but if it's for a movie which i'm excited about immediately just turn my head down I just look straight down. I don't. I just hear it because you know you can hear it. You know, you have no yeah. idea what's going on on the screen. You know, so when you actually see it, it's more rewarding. But uh, yeah, you be more selective in what you want to expose yourself to when it comes to these movies. And probably the excitement is there. The mystery factor is there. Whereas if you actually just go all out, like basically see the whole thing, it kind of fizzles out the excitement. You know, kind of like saying, ah, oh, that was it. That's it. You but know? but what if let's say you you expected like based on the marketing material for example the poster and then you think that oh it's going to be a comedy and then when you step into the hall and you watch the movie it turned out to be a horror movie <laughs> how would that set you up like how would you feel and then, completely disappointed <laughs> like this wasn't the movie I was uh, in that I signed up for <laughs> yeah exactly it's like oh I'm in for this and then you watch it like wait hold on this was not was what was promised to me, you know. <laughs> then how will you avoid that when you're already avoiding the trailers and all? Like you have no idea, you have nothing to base your expectations on. Like you go in with a cold slate. Like you completely... Brave man. Yeah, just shred all expectations. <laughs> I have no idea what this movie is about. Like, oh, it's generic? Okay, I can roll with it. Oh, it's something uh, the directors used to do? Okay, mm. I can roll with it. Mm. Wow, that's unexpected. I feel more rewarded for avoiding it in the first place, you know. A bigger risk versus reward thing is when the trailer promises you big action yeah. and it actually surpasses those expectations. Mad Max. Mad Max is one. Uh, the Dark Knight is one. Skyfall to me yeah. is another. Mm. Yeah. So th- th- those are very rare. But nowadays, they, I probably don't see them happening anytime soon. Trailers and how hell bent on show, spoiling everything for the sake of attracting audiences. I think, yeah, I think maybe that is a commercial decision that they do have to make. Loud. Without the trailer being attractive enough, I mean, we might still go, but the general mass audience might be like, you know what, it's not, it's not what I think I want to go for, and then they, they won't get the numbers at the cinema. Yeah. So, uh, it's tough, I get it, for, for the movie makers and producers to decide what goes in. But it's quite interesting when you said that even the directors or the producers, they have a say or they know what they want in a trailer. Because they know it sets up the expectation right. for the movie, right? For real. Mm. And the few times that we've been pleasantly surprised, like you say about Mad Max and Dark Knight, then you're like, wow, that will really stay in your mind. Mm. Because you're like, even though the trailer was just this, the movie was so much more. Exactly. So surpasses expectations. That's very rare. Again, going back to another movie which uh, which was big, huge, one of my favorite movies of all time, Terminator 2. Mm. Have you seen the trailers for Terminator 2? No. They flat out spoiled that Arnold was a good guy. Huh? Yeah. And in the first trailer, or like the second one? Like the second trailer, right after the teaser, they said there are two Terminators, one designed to destroy and the other designed to protect. I'm like, I mean, I didn't see the trailer, I saw the movie first, then the trailer, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But for those who have never seen Terminator 2 before, the experience is just ruined. It's it's like if you watch Empire Strikes Back and the trailer shows Darth Vader saying that it's the one. <laughs> no, man. Spoiler. <laughs> 
if this is still a spoiler. <laughs> if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, then uh, you're lost, man, really. <laughs> but yeah, it's not just Terminator 2. In the same franchise, a couple years back, Terminator Genesis, mm. the second trailer flat out spoiled that John Connor was a Terminator. Mm. Yeah. yeah, right in the second trailer, it's not even the first trailer. So, like. Come on, you haven't learned from your three movies ago? Uh, I'm not sure if you if you got do your research on this, but let's did anyone from the community or whatever, the fan base of Terminator, did any of them watch that crazy trailer and then watch the movie and how was their experience? Do you know? I from what I can tell they were pretty underwhelmed by it. At least some of the diehard Terminator fans uh, from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the movie actually came out. Uh, interesting reception. Half of it actually liked Genesis, the other half completely hated it because it kind of craps on the first two movies. Not as bad as Dark Fate, but we'll get to that another time. But yeah, uh, they were wholly divisive. They say, oh, okay, it's an interesting new twist on the Terminator formula. So it's like half of it's like something new, half of it is something old and tired, mm. pretty much. But it showed them something which the, the hardcore fans were uncomfortable with and that set like a block towards the yeah. expectations. The expectations part is so tricky to manage, mm. right? Because I can't imagine if let's say the Empire Strikes Back trailer shows that scene where Darth Vader reviews and the first five father. seconds of Empire Strikes Back trailer. <laughs> no, I am your father. <laughs> but, oh man. but then you'll definitely get the people talking, you're definitely gonna get the hype and people are going to flock to the cinemas to figure out what in the world But it's, it's like the element of surprise, you know, that's, right. that's what Alfred Hitchcock prides himself on, mm, the, the yeah. mystery, the intrigue, you yeah. know, for, for the audience to be pleasantly surprised at what the director has hidden and then, ta-da, you know, it's like a magic trick, it's like Nolan's The, the Prestige. What would happen? Wait, spoiler alert. What would happen in the plot? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of spoilers. Lot of spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so this be a main spoiler right? at the beginning of the episode. I thought it should just be spoiler. What would happen if you reveal that the ending of the Prestige, Hugh Jackman was basically cloning himself as part of his trick? Yeah. You know? So how would, how would you yeah. feel? You know? mm-hmm. but that's, a, that's a tricky thing. Like a trailer is supposed to sell a movie. Mm-hmm. And let's say... You know, it's just like, let's say if you have uh, an ugly oleo dish and your, your specialty right. in there is, I don't know, like tomato sauce, for example. Right. Okay, and that's your, and that's the kick in your dish. And then you want to shout about it, right? You want to shout that, hey, look, I have tomato sauce with ugly oleo. But you, if you want to keep it as a secret and you don't shout about that, then how will people know what to expect when they eat it? Mm. And, and if you tell them, they'll be they'll more be One, Some will be a tree, yeah. some who don't like that yeah. certain ingredient will be averse to it. Yes. Oh, okay, I'm not gonna eat it. Then you know the idea is already implanted in their head. That's very <laughs> tricky. Very tricky. Uh, uh, <laughs> then from your personal experiences, like did, did you ever watch any movie where you went in knowing something and then it came out totally different, or you went in not knowing something and then when you watch it, you you just wish you knew. Uh, I think the one that really went against what I thought would be was Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. Oh, wow. I think going in there, I'm like, okay, just straightforward, not rom-com, but just romantic uh-huh. film, just boy-girl, boy-girl. Yeah. But then, okay, like, don't, don't need to even spot, but yeah. the, the twist at the end, you're like, wow, it's so much more. Yeah. It's so much more, but I was pleasantly surprised. I don't feel cheated, I don't feel like, oh, you sold me something and I didn't get it. But what, what I got at the end was so much more than what I thought I signed up for. And I think that was one, one of the more like, uh, enjoyable twist where, where you can accept Before you watch the movie, you, you read about it lah, or did someone tell you about it? Or? I think maybe just by the virtue of the title mm. and then 
you see Jim Carrey say like, oh maybe rom com. <laughs> yeah, Kim is like, like okay, comedy is there, uh, romance, romance is there. So you already built sort of an image in your head, yeah. right? But then the image is shattered in a good way yeah. as you watch and, and as, it, as the movie develops. So I would say that that's quite enjoyable uh, idea. Well, for me, unfortunately, mine was a negative <laughs> experience, and I keep telling this to others. Uh, a good day to die hard. Uh, yeah, of course, Die Hard, one of my favorite 80s, 90s action movie franchises. Mm-hmm. And the trailer for the recent one, like the most recent one came out. I was like, okay, it has, looks like it has a lot of action. Typical Die Hard version, Bruce Willis is looking like yeah. he's at his best. And it's back to being R-rated. Okay, I mean, you know, well, I watched the movie and the trailer was better edited than the movie. Mm. <laughs> That's what I feel because like some of the best bits in the that were shown in the trailer wasn't in the final movie. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't mm. in the final movie. See, okay, that, that's another topic we're gonna get to eventually. <laughs> but yeah, it, it promised something that wasn't even set up, wasn't mm. even built on, built on, and then wasn't even shown. Like where was the movie I was promised? Where was the uh, old wise cracking John McClane instead of this old sulking Bruce Willis? You know, and the movie was very short. All of the big action scenes were spoiled in the trailer, like even the very final bits, which really annoyed me because man, I really wanted to be surprised at the action. I didn't want it all shoved in my face. Technically, they surprised you because the trailer showed you things that were not in the movie. So when you watch the movie, <laughs> it contained a lot of things you didn't know what to expect. But, <laughs> but it was surprising in a bad way. Delta child cheater, basically. But would it have helped if they did it in reverse where the trailers had the scenes in the movies which were mediocre and then the movie had the scenes in the trailer which actually excited you? <laughs> I don't know. It might, it might actually help. Like, you think, oh, this movie is going to be mediocre but okay, I'll watch it because so-and-so is in it, so-and-so is directing yeah. it and then it ends up being better than expected. Wow, the trailer... Then, then you blame the guys who edited the trailer because they did a horrible job <laughs> and mm. like under marketing. But for your case, it's the guys who did the trailer did a stupendous job. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who did the movie did a stupendous job. Oh my gosh! Uh, for for me, my my one would be the Batman versus Superman. But I think you oh all, boy, <laughs> you all heard me <laughs> rant about it so much. Right. But it's true because that was the movie that taught me to be a bit more careful with what I choose to watch. Because that movie was like two and a half hours long. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, but the hype and all was so big, the trailers looked great because Zack Snyder's videos are always very good. So when I, you know, like, I went in there, I hated the movie. And that was one movie where I actually wish I gave it like maybe one or two days and I, I read some reviews to find out what is it about before I watch it. Then mm-hmm. my expectations would have been much lower. Because <laughs> going in with all that hype and Mm. The love for the Batman vs Superman story from the comic books, the hype was really high, my expectations was really high. And this was supposed to compete with uh, Avengers, supposed right. to, yeah. right? It came out the same time as uh, Civil War. See? Mm. And Civil War was already like peak Avengers uh, popularity, yeah. you know. That yeah, the hype was through the roof. Yeah, so that was one movie where I really wish I knew that it was not. But even yeah. knowing, even after reading the reviews and everything, I, still think I, I don't think I will watch <laughs> Because that affected Justice League for me. Mm. After I had Batman vs Superman, when Justice League came out, I was a bit excited. I was like, maybe, maybe they can pull this off. And then I was, I was actually getting excited because hey, it's Justice League lah. Yeah. And then Gal Gadot is quite uh, kick-ass as Wonder Woman and uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman was. Yeah. He looks good at it mm. So I was actually quite excited. Then when the movie came out, I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I actually held back. And then I gave it one week. I read the reviews. 
And then, you know, as usual, small, more scenes are linked uh, yeah. online and all that. Mm-hmm. I watched a few scenes and I'm like, no. No, no, I'm just gonna stay here. <laughs> Learn lesson. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, after seeing the movie, uh, I can conclude that the theatrical version is basically a 2.5 hour trailer for the Ultimate Edition. Which is like just an extra Slightly yeah. better, oh, but man. that's not saying much. <laughs> no, man. Uh, then another thing that I, I, I thought when we were, we were deciding what topic to talk about, right, is did you ever watch a movie where you didn't realize it's a sequel or a prequel? Did that ever happen to you? Yes! <laughs> Split! Split! Spoiler alert again! <laughs> no, 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 this is not spoiler alert. La. But that's actually one of the movies where I, I thought as an example for this case. La. But I uh, Tell us about how you realize. <laughs> at what point do you realize so that? So I saw this, I saw Split with my friend when it first opened up in theaters. Okay, so it was M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Like, he's getting a bit of a comeback traction around that time because of uh, The Visit. Yeah. So James McAvoy, of course, brilliant actor. So to see him play. 13. 13 different characters, yeah. you know, all in the same body. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I'm just basically watching it for him, and it's like, oh my goodness, what a creepy, what a terrific performance. How like so when the at the end credits roll, there was a bit of a weird moment where he starts climbing on the walls and yeah, everything. Yeah. I was like, mm, okay, but McAvoy sells it la. He yeah. makes it convincing. Um, I was here. I was discussing with my friend. How come Oscars don't recognize all these thrill, weird sci-fi thriller movies? They should get a nomination. Yeah. Then suddenly I hear a familiar piece of music. And I'm like, no, it can't be. It's a different composer, you know. Because I watch a lot of movies. I know Shyamalan's previous body of work. And then they show uh, again after the credits come up, a brief mid-credit scene. Yeah. Guy in the diner. And like uh, the, I think the site, some of the. Some of the extras there were talking about this sounded like that same guy uh, that caused that terrorist attack some years ago. Yeah. So of course I'm thinking, wait, no, couldn't be. Then I saw the bald head. You cannot. And he was wearing a green poncho. Yeah, a green poncho. I said, like, you did not, Shyamalan. Oh my goodness. Then I I realized this was a sequel to Unbreakable. Sequel. But it is a continuation. Yeah, yeah, it is in the yeah, same yeah. universe. Yeah, yeah. No, Bruce Willis there just was cherry on top for me that like, you did not. You know. Then I now I knew how the people felt when they first saw the Sixth Sense back in theaters mm-hmm. because that was the power Shyamalan had. Yeah. And for Split, he had it again. I mean, for but my friend who did not watch Unbreakable World, he was looking at me like, dude, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> Correct, right? Yeah. So then because of that, because of not knowing, because your friend didn't know what to know, mm. that that pleasant surprise was totally lost to him. Yeah. So in a way, that that could have been a wonderful experience for him, but because he didn't know... I, I think it's for <laughs> people who devoutly follow Shamla, yeah. or at least like casually watch his movies and they know what's up. Because I always thought Unbreakable was a movie that deserved a sequel yeah. or a continuation. Mm. So for me to yeah. see that particular moment happen, Okay, Shyamalan, you got me hooked, you know? It was and very satisfying. Even then, right, when Split came out, and then I don't know how many years later, when Glass came out mm-hmm. two years ago, one year ago, right? Year ago, a lot yeah. of people still didn't know that Unbreakable was part of this so-called trilogy. Because mm. a lot of people who watch Split, they just watch Unbra- uh, Glass straight away without Unbreakable. And when they watch Glass, obviously, without watching Unbreakable, yeah. they have... Yeah. They so didn't get it. Very divided reception for Glass. Because they didn't get it. And then if only they knew about Unbreakable beforehand and watch it, then watch Glass, <laughs> then they probably got more out of it. Yeah. Right? So, in that case, this kind of movies, you, you need to know before you watch it. Because if you're going cold, 
it just doesn't work right. for, for in this particular case with uh, glass and unbreakable unbreakable trilogy right they call it. yeah unbreakable or east rail 177 or something ah, that's I right. the whole thing <laughs> And then another, another trilogy uh, that I, I thought about uh, coming up with this uh, session is that the Before Trilogy. Mm. Also, because the movie, in by nature of what it did, it came out nine years apart from each another. When the second or third one came out, and the new, the newer generation of people who grew up to watch it, they didn't realize it was a sequel yeah. to a, a, a movie that came out nine years before, right? Mm-hmm. And what they would and what they would take away from it is very different yeah. from those yeah. who yes. followed it from the very beginning and everything. Uh, in case you didn't know, for the listeners, like uh, uh, the Before Trilogy is three movies that were released nine years apart. And it follows a couple, the same couple, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delby, and they grow old throughout the trilogy. So it talks about life, about how we change as people in a relationship. So I have a lot of uh, customers and fans who didn't watch the first one before sunrise, but they watched before sunset first. And then they love it. But (laughs) (laughs) then then eventually, and I say eventually in in a real way, they just realize like, hey, Wait a minute, that was the first one which is before sunset. Mm. And then they go back and watch it. And I feel like, oh man, it's such a wasted experience. Because like what you said, right? If you watch it in sequence, what it gives to the show is so, so different. I mean, as a standalone film, it is still good. It's still good. It's just it's just like if you were to watch Dark Knight without watching Batman yeah. Begins first, yeah, right? right? So as a standalone film, great. But the experience as a package, it's, it's so much stronger like, if you were to get that. Right. Um, also, going back to when, when you said you were going to talk about this topic today, yeah. one of the things I wish I didn't know before watching a movie, I wish sometimes I didn't know the actors or the actresses. You didn't know? Yes, mm. because I feel like sometimes they get typecasted in my head, uh, like whether it's a Robert De Niro mm-hmm. or something. And unless it's such an immersive performance like a, a Joaquin Phoenix in Joker or like a Heath Ledger mm. as the Joker, mm. You sometimes see them, I'm like, oh, I can't unsee you from some previous yeah, movie. Yeah. I wish I didn't know them and just see them at, in their performance in that film itself. I wish I could like alienate and wipe out my, mm-hmm. my memory from before. Because sometimes I feel like just because of who we think they are, we don't see that performance as strong as what yeah. it could be. Yeah, um, right. And I, yeah, I wish I could brainwash myself lah, for some reason. I, I agree with that notion on a lot of uh, actors' performances. You see somebody, that, okay, even esteemed actors like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. you, ex- you know that these two are probably the greatest actors alive today. Yeah. So you have like a certain standard when you try to watch a, a movie that they're in. And like, oh, it's going to be the greatest ever because it's you know Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. And then Robert De Niro stars in a family slapstick comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's hard. He's doing against his typecast. I know, still, you know, like, what are you doing, man? But again, you know, like it sets a standard for certain actors. Like maybe you want to call it putting them on a pedestal mm. or putting them in a certain pedigree that you don't expect them to do anything but what they're yeah. used to doing. Like a more positive example for me, like like at least you wish you didn't know who the actors were, right? right? Mm, yeah. So in my case, Adam Sandler. Hmm. Yeah, you know Adam Sandler, you know all these crude comedies that he yeah. made, you know, Big Daddy, yeah. Jack and Jill and yeah. all that. But I saw Punch Drunk Love. Mm. So and, and that was that was really when I was familiar with Adam Sandler's work. And seeing him in Punch Drunk Love was like, holy crap, this guy has range. It's yeah. an amazing performance. Yeah. And it re- revealed to me that he's actually a terrific actor. Mm. But then he continued on with his string of uh, comedies <laughs> and then it made me realize he's a terrific actor, but also he just 
he can he can only be terrific if he wants to be. Mm. But I also found him really good in the was the uncut Yes, uncut lips. Also very powerful. Um, you had a bit of his slapstick, I guess, or or his his very brash, very loud, very right. big. But it was very it was channeled very differently, and that was I think testament to the role that the brothers, well, the Safdie brothers, Safdie brothers gave him. Yeah. They allowed him to to portray. Uh, a different side to right. what we thought he could act, and it was far away from your typical romantic comedies and the oh, yeah. and all that. And it was really nice to to see him. And like you said, I think that range was something all of us didn't expect him to have, and to see him come out strong in in a role like that was really mm-hmm. nice. Man. It's yeah. it's like the directors giving him like at first at surface level you think it's a typical Adam Sandler role, yeah. but the directors deliberately challenged that notion mm-hmm. and forced him to act beyond. Uh, above and beyond his capabilities. Yeah. Like it it has the same Adam Sandler characteristics but it's cranked slightly different. Yeah. To, to the point where it's working against the character. Yeah. It works for the movie. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's good. Then how about not knowing that the actor is in the movie? That because that has happened with like you said David Fincher, right? Mm-hmm. Seven. Oh yeah. Uh, spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, Kevin Spacey uh, was not in the marketing. He was even out of nowhere. All the oh, way. Yeah. Yeah. In every the Blu-ray covers, the poster, his name was not mentioned anywhere. And out of nowhere, he turns out to be uh, the main villain. Mm-hmm. And would that have made a difference? Of course, the surprise is there. But what I'm asking now is that, let's say if you knew that Kevin Spacey is going to play uh, a psycho killer, would that have made you more excited for the movie or change? your expectations for the movie. We would probably be more excited to see Kevin Spacey appear for the first time than we actually then we would be actually following Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt around yeah. as they investigate the right. crimes. Because at the time Kevin Spacey was at his peak, like mm. he was he, at his all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won an Oscar for that. Yeah. So mm. he's huge back, back then. I don't know, I, I, I like that I didn't know he was in mm. it. And I I mean technically his role his screen time wasn't that much. Not much. It was mostly towards the end. Yeah, but it was very impactful. But it was very powerful. Yeah. And I think it probably would have been less powerful if we knew he was in it. Mm. Let's say if he was in all the okay. marketing materials yeah. and the trailers and so on. So I actually enjoy it. And I mean, that has happened, I'm sure, to us quite a few times. Yeah. Didn't know an actor slash actress was yeah. going to be in it, appear. Sometimes it's a bit, you feel like it's a bit forced into it. Right. You know, like, oh, star power, put it into your face. But I think that Kevin Spacey in Seven was played very well. Mm. And it was so powerful. Maybe because you saw his what he could do in Usual Suspect, you know that twist at the end, mm. and so you're sort of like seeing that twist again in Seven. You're like, whoa! You you wouldn't expect that that it's him. Mm. You wouldn't expect. You really don't know the face to the who who is who is doing all this stuff behind it. So I really enjoyed that that twist actually. Yeah, I actually agree. Um, I thought kept not knowing Kevin Spacey was in it actually made the movie a whole lot better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Suddenly you're watching music. Suddenly you're watching this horrific, gruesome crime mm. and out comes Kevin's VC, hey, I'm, I'm the killer, you get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you know? It act, and it builds up to you know the infamous ending, very smooth. Mm. Kind of brilliant actually, the way they used him in the movie. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't wasted. And just for fun, I just want to throw this in. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, shows like Back to the Future, right? One and two was good. Mm. And for example, like you watch one, oh it's a good show, you're having fun. Second one, oh it's a good show too, you're having fun. So for the third one, you're like, yeah, it's going to be great too. But then when you watch it and it turns out pretty average. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just suddenly I just thought about this, like, you know, when you would have, when you would have wanted to know that the third one was not that great, 
Because sometimes I understand with the, especially with the classic like Back to the Future, you tend to not want to spoil that 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 sweet image of this Back to the Future memory, mm, right? Yeah. Once it's tainted, it gets a bit tainted, uh, spoiled right. from memory. Same thing with I guess uh, Jurassic Park. Or like for your kids, Die Hard. Oh, yeah. you know, if you knew Die Hard 5 was bad, and let's say if you could have the foresight knowing it's bad, and not watch it, and then your memory of Die Hard is still perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so would you still want to know that Die Hard 5 was bad, so that you could have avoided it, and this trilogy of Die Hard or Back to the Future would have remained Absol- good? Absolutely. Why you have serious vengeance against it? Really? Like, because Die Hard 1, 2, 3, even 4 now is like, they're all terrific action movies. 5 is like the the rotten ink blot that spoils yeah. the whole broth. So, no, yeah, I would absolutely go back in time and wipe my memory clean from that. <laughs> you just answered one question that I'm going to ask it, but never mind. <laughs> no, actually, interestingly, I just went through this very recently because I've just watched Ocean's 8 for the first time, mm. like a week ago. Huh. And I was a huge fan of 11, 12, and 13. Right. I yeah. just could watch it again, again, again. I remember all the lines. Um, I love the twist. Uh, and then when 8 came out, I read the reviews. Yeah. I read everything, and yeah. it felt like it felt like the Ghostbusters where, you know, okay, so <laughs> yes. all-female cast and just see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, but when I watched it, maybe because my expectations were set so low by what I thought was going to happen, <laughs> okay. it was turned out alright. Like, okay, yeah, it's, was, not, it's not as great as you learned off the beat, but it's watchable, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I have the same hate that you share about that. <laughs> but yeah, it was okay yeah. lah. But Hathaway yeah. and Kate Blanchett carried they, they, they were great. Yeah. So, I didn't like the necklace plot thing, that was just stupid. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that necklace thing was just dumb, but everything else was okay. The motion scene was alright, I saw the trailers, you know, mm. it, was like, it looked like a tip, kind of like above average heist film, yeah. not on the level as the first three movies, yeah. but okay. Like, there was, was hardly any depth to, to <laughs> the heist. It, it was harmless, it was harmless, <laughs> yeah. it was very depth, it was like yeah. the kind of movie you watch on a lazy Sunday afternoon. That's the thing, right? Because they use the name Oceans, mm-hmm. and that carries with it its baggage and its blessings. And because of that, like for Jeffrey's case, even for me, when I watched Oceans 8, the expectations were there. Like, I'm expecting some suave, mm. smart heist <laughs> that is really brilliant at the end when they review how they pull it off. But if you just remove the Ocean's 8 title and then just call it, I don't know lah, uh, um, and Sandra's, Sandra's Gang. Yeah, sure. Sandra's Gang. Call it Sandra's Gang and, <laughs> and it would have been perfectly fine and I yeah. feel like that would have benefited the show actually yeah. uh, sure. instead of doing it with the Ocean's Yeah, title. you gotta tie it into a franchise, that's the, yeah. that's the norm now. <laughs> they should do what they do now, Ocean's Presents. Sandra's oh, Gang. No. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> no. I hate it ever since Fast and Furious yeah. was show. I hate it. The studio's chickening out. Train to Busan also did the same thing. Yeah. Train to Busan presents Peninsula. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the presents is like font size 9 <laughs> on the poster. You can't see the presents. Yeah. I mean, that's not you were answering. One question I really wanted to ask you all is actually if you could turn back time to change. For better or for worse, I don't know whether it's the movie that you wish you did or didn't know, but if you could change it la, to make the experience better, uh, what movie would it be? I know you're going to say that hard. Yeah, I really say that. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I think it would have been uh, Mother actually. Oh wow. Yeah, because I mean, I love the show, but when before I watched the movie in the cinema, I read about it and I had an idea of how 
crazy and haphazard it was going to be. Mm. So because of that, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have a crazy roller coaster ride mm. with this movie. Then I watched it, I enjoyed it. But now looking back, right, I think if I went in with a cold blank slate, right, I think I would have been even more mind blown. Right? Mm. But actually, I'm really not sure. Maybe I would have been like, what the hell am I watching? I'm going to enjoy it. But I think that movie for me in particular, I, I would have liked to experience it without knowing anything. For me, it would be a lot of the Nolan films. So when, uh, think for example, Inception or Interstellar, mm, yeah. before I watched it, I had heard so much about uh, it. I may not know right. the plot, uh, you, knew, you knew there would be twists. You knew like, oh, mind blown, mind blown, mind blown. So you go in there, expectations were high. And yes, the expectations were met, but I, I wish that it could go in, like you said, blank, closely mm-hmm. and enjoy it for what it is. And I think like, uh, I would love, I would love that turn Facebook and Instagram off totally. Very interesting now. So what if the next Nolan movie didn't say it's a Nolan movie? Would it be something interesting to pull off? I think it would be quite interesting. Like he could have just said that it's a, a new director. And then the end credits. Or like right before the movie starts, then they say a movie by Nolan, like right before the movie wow. starts. And I think the that, surprise will like, that would be, be great. If they, that hide, be if they hide his company's logo at the beginning of the movie, that can lah. Yeah, <laughs> but that would be quite brave. Uh, that, I mean, it would be super brave. I mean, it's the same thing with Kevin Spacey, right? If you can hide a character, why not hide the director entirely? Because he is, with him, with Nolan's name, comes expectations and all that. True. So if you take him away, and they just do this movie like Tenet, let's just say Tenet by, I don't know lah, by Christopher. Let's say let's just let's put Christopher wow. or Chris and his surname is Topher or whatever. Just totally hide it. And then when you go into cinema hall like oh it's this action movie and right before the movie starts it comes out the word a film by Christopher Nolan. I think you would need a lot of trust from the studios to, to to run something like Correct. that. It's, Correct. you would be playing a very risky game. Yeah. It could be a very rewarding yeah, yeah. game but it's very yeah. risky. Yeah. Yeah. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward, yeah, yeah. also the bigger they fall if yeah. <laughs> nobody turns up. Who's Christopher Nolan? Don't see, <laughs> don't go. Because my, uh, my first experience with Nolan was Inception and I didn't know who he was. I haven't heard of mm. Prestige and all that. So when I watched Inception, I was like, wow, freaking mind blown yeah. of course. Yeah. Even with Interstellar, so when the trailer, I talked about the trailer before, but the trailer didn't show his name until the very end. So as I was watching the trailer, Matthew McConaughey uh, monologuing about space mm. and all that, mm. I didn't know it was a Nolan movie. And I was like, well, I'm very intrigued already. And then at the very end, when the interstellar title came out, and then Nolan's name came out, I was doubly intrigued. I was like, holy crap, it's Nolan's new movie, right? So I'm just thinking now, if you just remove his name from the movie, I mean, I don't know how they're going to market it. You're going to figure out another way. But if the movie is good, like visually it's stunning, it has good action set pieces, the trailer should be able to sell already. Yeah. Yeah. It's Nolan, he'll probably think of something. He might even think of this idea, who knows. <laughs> so, uh, Christopher, if you're listening right now, <laughs> you think of, we'll charge you cheap, we'll charge you cheap. Yeah. I have a feeling that it, it, might, it will be done eventually, because knowing Nolan, he will eventually he grow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So and he won't like this stigma that he has with his name, and he'll probably want to change it or like subvert expectations. Subvert expectations. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Speaking of Nolan, going back to what Jeffrey said about not knowing an actor, yeah. like who's not knowing that an actor's in a certain movie, mm. uh, who else was surprised when Matt Damon showed up in Interstellar? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And he's such a big name, people yeah. know him. He's Jason Bourne. Yeah. 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 Funnily enough, it's another movie about rescuing him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, this time you, but in, that, in, in, 
Interstellar he went AWOL you know? hey, Spoiler alert Okay yeah There you go You didn't see Interstellar You're lost But then also Then you see him in The Martian Yeah I thought I, I really enjoyed The yeah. Martian firstly uh, Wait, And then I was like Why is Matt Damon Always in space Right <laughs> So he's always there now um, But His face yeah. suits his helmet It just yeah. works I mean He suits anywhere like, yeah. But yeah Um Again, that that was like another Kevin Spacey seven twist, right? Yeah. Seeing see him and you like, oh, added so much more. Never knew he was gonna be in it. And when a character appears like that, you're like, oh, I cannot think of anyone else that could play that role. Like Kevin Spacey in seven, you're yeah. like, who cannot? Oh, cannot. No one yeah. that devious, that smile, you know, that that yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, cast, cannot, they cast cannot, cannot be like this. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that that that's probably a good end. With our idea for Christopher Nolan, <laughs> this next movie is going to say that. So uh, before we end things, we're going to have to do our one last thing, which is where we just share about anything under the sun. About maybe one day you woke up and you realized that you have this really nice poster in your hands. Whatever it is, uh, if you just want to share something, uh, I wondered yesterday how I would look like if I was bald. <laughs> I hope that's random <laughs> enough for you, but yeah, I really I looked as, I looked myself in the mirror. Like, yeah, just in case you don't know, Jeffrey has long hair. Yeah, yeah. So way too long. Thanks to <laughs> COVID, right? Yeah. But yeah, I just looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, oh, I wish I could just chop everything off. How would I look <laughs> like? You know, there are some like handsome bald people and not so yeah. handsome bald people. Like, so yeah. That's my random Be like the stain. Yeah, I wish. Generally, Asian people with the flat head yeah. at the back doesn't look very hard. Very hard. Yeah. 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 Raw. <laughs> yeah, in English it means spirit if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's pretty good. I think it's one of the best, or well, not one of, I think it's the best looking Malaysian movie I've ever seen. Uh, talking visually, the jungles never look so good. Like, I always thought those kind of shots you only can get from a European movie, but they pull it off locally, as far as I know. And if you like The Witch by Robert Eggers, this has all the vibes like it, very, very similar. Only thing, well, it's a Malaysian movie, so I wouldn't say that it's very good. I would say it's good, but not very good. But well, I'm uh, just being honest here. Lah. But in terms of visually, how it looks and how it's presented, how it's shot, I really think it's one of the best I've ever seen for a local movie. Lah. Story-wise, it could have been better. But other than that, no complaints. Lah. It's a slow burn movie, but it helped my attention throughout, which is very, very rare for a local movie. Yeah, I saw it myself too just last night. Mm. I agree from a cinematography viewpoint, it's one of the best looking movies, local movies I've seen. Uh, in terms of story and atmosphere, is also one of the best I've actually experienced for a. If I do a review, yeah. I might just do a review. Episode. I know, it's like a mini review, a mini recap. Uh, like, again, uh, I agree with you, I think. So, yeah, I just wish the story could have been a little bit tighter, uh, but it, for a movie that's 80 minutes long. Yeah. But yeah, the movie was quite good, quite uh, very engrossing, uh, very, and sometimes very creepy, yeah. <laughs> like, which is not often for like a Malaysian horror movie, usually we think, oh, they'll be out over the top with their gore, mm-hmm. or some moments of dark comedy, no, none of them here, they, they play it dead serious, mm-hmm. and I appreciate them for taking that risk. Okay, so I'm going to talk about something <laughs> a little bit different, because I work as a part-time Grab driver, yeah. and the most interesting items that customers usually order, they... Kind of, they kind of amuse me 
because like who orders 19 boba teas in one go uh, who orders uh, big party big sop sop for the sop big party you can't have big party doing sop it's like 19 people it's like cd who says it's one cup to one person maybe it's two yeah. cups to one person maybe it's all for one person yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. the guy needs big to boba tea guy needs to reevaluate his life choices <laughs> but anyways yeah uh, if it's not boba tea it's like Seven or eight boxes of durian per one go. I don't know why. There's everybody's been ordering durian a lot of times. I'm, I keep going to this like store in some near near this place called the uh, Durian Man. I might as well cut out a durian uh, shaped logo and put it on my shirt whenever I pick up the durian logo. Then I'm the durian man. <laughs> But yeah, it's very it's very busy. It's very lucrative. Uh, if you're doing it full time, I just don't pick up passengers anymore. I don't think it's worth the risk. Like last time before this whole COVID thing started, uh, Grab drivers were making a lot of money uh, picking up passengers. Now with the coronavirus, drivers can now pick up food, and that's like a new business opportunity. So you know, if you pretty good money if you work back to back, but can be pretty tiring. But cause again, the customers' food, uh, their orders sometimes they get a risk. <laughs> so the orders want to be that bubble tea, lah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, our country has like a strange obsession with uh, boba tea. Like they're everywhere now. Ever since you know Taiwanese boba tea, Korean boba tea. What what gives? <laughs> like have you had one? Yeah, yeah bubble tea. Yeah. Like well, wait, like how would you say the like? You, did you enjoy it or you think it's just like any other ordinary snack? For what, bubble tea? Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's just like a different variation of teh tarik, lah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, Teh Tarik is like the local version, right? And then bubble tea is the, the Taiwanese version. It's lighter, the tea that they use. And because of the milk that they use, it's different. Or sometimes no milk, right? I, I don't drink it for the bubbles, but I drink it for the taste. So the tea and the milk, different tea with different milk has a different taste. Mm-hmm. So I just say it's a more atas version of a Teh Tarik. That's the simplest I, way I've, I can I've ever I've seen even more atas version of that. Uh, they put like cheese clothing on top of it. Yeah, 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 and it's nicer. Nice. I don't know. Okay, you know, expensive shit, but it's nice. <laughs> expensive. <laughs> it's really expensive. No joke. <laughs> How did we end up talking about cheese? <laughs> One last thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's supposed to be random anyway. So okay, uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, we hope to have Jeffy on again. We hope we didn't scare him or made it too boring for him. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for listening again. If you If you have, if you have not uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and even Anchor, which is where we host our platform. Sub, so, like. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. See ya. Bye bye.